Welcome back to the TGI Podcast. I'm your host, Matt, and we're officially out of the month of February. It already feels like this year is moving a little quicker than last year, and that is certainly a very good thing. And now that we're into the month of March, that means the next holiday on the schedule is St. Patrick's Day. I'll be honest with you guys, there's not a ton of St. Patrick's Day themed episodes in the world sitcoms, but I will never complain when I could head back into the land of home improvement. Now, on to the show. This week, we are covering Desperately Seeking Willow from Season 7 of Home Improvement, and it is Episode 19 of that season. This episode debuted on March 17th, 1998. Since we've covered Home Improvement a handful of times already on the podcast, I'm not going to go too deep into the cast or my history with it because we've been over this a handful of times. We had a lot of really good Home Improvement episodes. We did Halloween, we did Thanksgiving, we did Christmas. They've always got really good fun stuff, so I... I will never turn down an opportunity to go back and do some of these home improvement episodes. But I do want to point out that this episode, it has a couple of additional actors playing a handful of different roles. So on top of the normal home improvement cast, this episode also features China Kantner playing the role of Wilson's niece, Willow Wilson. She had a small arc on the show during the seventh season, and we will eventually come back to her on this podcast at some point in the future because she also appeared in a Thanksgiving episode of the show, so this won't be the last time we hear from Willow. And she, uh, China Kantner herself, she had small bit roles on Murphy Brown, Grace Under Fire, and she was also in the movie Airheads. And this part I found to be a little bit interesting. She was an MTV VJ at one point, and she's also the daughter of Paul Kantner and Grace Slick, who are members of the psychedelic rock band Jefferson Airplane. And I guess that sort of works out well, given the way that the Willow character is on this show. She's more of a free spirit, uh, hippie-ish type character. So I guess the fact that her parents in real life sort of fit that mold it kind of makes a lot of sense i also want to point out in this episode we have mickey jones who plays pete bilker gary mcgurk plays Dwayne hoover and casey sander plays rock lanigan those three had numerous appearances on the show as tim's construction worker buddies always funny always had some really good little bit moments they were in a handful of different episodes throughout the series Always love to see them on there. And that's what sort of draw me, drew me to this episode was because I saw them in sort of the any sort of images I looked up when I was trying to find some stuff about this episode itself. Now, here's a quick synopsis that I pulled from Wikipedia for this episode. And it says, Jill fears the worst when houseguest Willow doesn't come home one night and Tool Time celebrates St. Patrick's Day. So I think you really need to take notice of how that is phrased that it is two separate storylines and that there's no mention of St. Patrick's Day at the beginning of this synopsis and it's only mentioned at the end and that will come up later on in this episode 
This episode itself, it begins just as every episode of Home Improvement begins, and we've got a shot of tool time. We have the always wonderful Heidi. She is getting the crowd all pumped up because it is yet another episode of Tool Time. Now, the set itself, it's all decked out in St. Patrick's Day gear. It's green. There's all, you know, obviously St. Patrick's Day, so there's going to be a lot of green stuff hanging around. There are shamrocks and pots of gold, all those fun things that you would see around St. Patrick's Day. And Al notes that this episode is a salute to everything Irish. And that leads into Tim starting the classic joke. And he says this with a bit of an Irish accent. I'm not going to attempt this somewhat Irish accent, despite the fact having some some Irish heritage. I cannot do one. And he starts off the classic joke that begins with, There once was a man from Nantucket. And then he gets cut off by Al. And since this is somewhat of a family podcast, I, I don't really do a whole lot of cursing or anything on this. I'm not going to continue that joke, but it's one that I remember The Simpsons did. And it was something that I eventually looked up and I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. So if you want to, you can easily find the punchline for the joke that starts, there once was a man from Nantucket. Look it up, you'll laugh. Look up the Simpsons reference to that because the Simpsons reference to this joke is also very, very funny. So now back into this particular episode of Tool Time, Tim thanks a man named Seamus for showing off his crystal collection which, of course, we find out that Tim accidentally broke. And the guy is, you could hear him cleaning up his crystals. And he's walking away very sadly and kind of crying a little bit. And Al is walking out with him and says, I mean, you sort of knew the risk when you're coming on to this show. And so after we see him make his way out there, we have all of them sort of talking about... Uh, what's going to happen next in this episode. And Tim says he's going to show everyone how to paint a side table Kelly Green for the holiday, and Al's going to work on some Irish lace, which, of course, it is the 90s, and Tim has to make fun of him for not being manly enough in this scenario. No, who cares? If Al wants to work with, with lace, he could work with lace. But course gotta make fun of them because it's a man show so it's got to be that way now in this next portion of tool time tim and al welcome on the boys from KMB construction and this is when we get our first look at rock pete and Dwayne. and as i mentioned earlier and i gotta point out again i loved when these guys are on the show i always think about the episode when they came on and they talked about how to make food on the work site and you have pete he's making food He's making chili in a big pot, or uh, Rock is making a grilled cheese with a blowtorch, uh, and you have Dwayne making shish kebabs with the dipstick for your oil. Uh, always a very funny episode, and they've had other ones where they came in and they played music, and they made drums out of big empty plastic barrels and different things like that, so I always thought that those guys were very funny. So I was happy to see them in this episode. Now, Pete, he knows that St. Patrick's Day is always, always a big day for the K&B construction crew because it's right up there with Christmas and Friday. And everybody laughs, ha, 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 Friday, great day of the week. And then Al points out that St. Patrick's Day this year is on a Tuesday. So that means it could be kind of hard for the crew to celebrate. But don't worry about that because, of course, 
Dwayne, he has his own, quote, accrudement. That's his word. That is his word. That is not me mispronouncing it. So then he holds up this big green toolbox and he sets it down and Tim's like, okay, big deal. You have a green toolbox. And Dwayne's like, open it up. And the top layer of the <laughs> of the toolbox is filled with a traditional Irish feast. Top layer, it has corned beef and cabbage. And when they open that up, uh, the inside is filled with spuds and stews instead of nails and screws. And Al tries a little bite of some stew. And then it drips a little bit on the floor. One of the guys is like, hey, don't worry about that. That might just be a little leftover WD-40 because that's where we leave it in the toolbox. And everybody in the crowd, of course, oh, gross. Now, the food is all fun and games. But the real reason why this construction crew came on is because they want to sing some traditional Irish folk songs. Then the crew decides they're going to sing a song called Mountain Dew. Well, perhaps then we should regale you with one of our most captivating numbers entitled Mountain Dew. Go ahead. <laughs> How do you make it try, please? All right. Here you go, laddie. Uh, thank you, lassie. Ladies and gentlemen, the boys from K&B. <laughs> in that clip the crowd loved the song and everyone was dancing around and we saw al and heidi dancing around doing some sort of lord of the dance michael flatley moves back there right before al slipped on some oil that fell off that irish stew and when the song ends he stands up from behind the workbench and he's covered all over his face with some of that kelly green paint that tim was going to use to paint his table and then we head into the opening credits of the show So since it is March, it's March 17th or right around there, right around St. Patrick's Day, it is spring, and Tim and Jill, they're outside doing a little bit of gardening, and Tim basically has rigged up a bazooka that is his way he's going to plant some tulips, and he shoves the bazooka into the ground, and you hear a big rumble, and Tim's like, all right, there we go, that's how we're going to plant tulips this year. And just at that moment, we have Wilson. He comes up outside, and he's like, Here, Jill, I want to give you this basket of St. Patrick's Day goodies because I'm going to be gone. And he explains he's going to be spending three days with his good friend from Dublin. And Tim's like, Why are you going all the way to Ireland just for three days? And he's like, No, 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 Dublin, Ohio. (laughs) And then Wilson tells him that his house is going to be filled with nerve gas over those three days because he's trying to get rid of some bats that are flying around in his attic. And that's what helps set the storyline for this episode. Before the Taylors head back inside, though, Wilson asks if his niece Willow can stay with them for the next couple days because he still hasn't really figured out a place for her to live yet. And he, he thinks that Willow has a bunch of wild and crazy friends and he would rather 
she stay with them so that way he wouldn't be quite as worried. And then just at that moment, we have Willow. She heads outside and she's like, hey, Uncle Wilson, I think I may have found a place to stay. And that's before Jill's like, hey, how about you come stay at our house? She's like, no, I don't want to impose. She's like, it's no big deal. We'll have the boys double up. No big deal. We'll, we'll get it figured out. So then Willow, of course, she takes him up on that offer. In the next scene, it features the entire family. We've got Jill and Tim and all the boys, Randy, Brad, and Mark, along with Willow. They're sitting on the floor, and they've got a table set out, and they're eating some Moroccan food that she's made. And Tim says he loves this food because he gets to eat it with his fingers. And then Randy's like, how is that any different than what you do now? And then Mark like points out, well, I think he, he licks his fingers more now than he usually does. So Willow, who is billed to be this free spirit, as I mentioned before, also noted that she brought her massage table with her. So if anybody wants one tomorrow, she'll give anybody a massage. And then Jill, she scolds all the boys for asking for one before she says, I get first dibs on one of these massages. Jill also then points out that she's really happy to have another woman in the house. Because look, let's face it, it's always just basically been her and three sons and a husband who at times acts a little more like her sons than anything else. So she's very excited about this. And she says to Tim that she's really happy to have another woman in the house. And then Tim's like, Oh, when I want another woman in the house, it's all no, no, no. While that joke is funny, I am a little surprised that the network was willing to let that joke go in there. Especially given late 90s, I don't think people were okay with those types of situations or scenarios. And it, it, it was a little surprising to me that this joke made it. I Again, I thought it was funny. I don't think it was offensive or anything like that. But it just sort of surprised me that that joke was, was willing to be let slip through here in 1997. I mean, 11-year-old me didn't get that joke. But uh, I guess that's probably the point that it went over my head. Now, after that joke, Willow says she's running late and she's going to head out to meet some friends at a club. And Jill's sort of motherly aspect takes over a little bit. And she's like, hey, when do you think you'll be home? Willow's like, "Ah, you know, probably like around midnight or something. I don't know. And Jill is then like, I don't want you to take a cab late at night. She's like, you should just take one of our cars. (laughs) And then I love when she, right as she says, you should just take one of our cars. Tim is still eating this squab that's on the table and he's like yeah well too bad they all have flats like he doesn't want her to to drive one of his cars because we know how tim is about his vehicles very possessive and all those things so i thought that line was pretty funny but jill's like we're not gonna let willow just go without a car and she throws willow her keys and she heads out the door and at that point the boys are like well we're not going to do any more dishes. See ya. And she's like, oh, a woman leaves and you guys are all going to change your minds. And then at that moment, Tim pulls out his tulip bazooka gun or whatever you want to call it and threatens the boys to do the dishes. And then we head into another scene. The episode itself then continues with Jill. She's down in the living room. She's reading a magazine on the couch. We know it's late. And you can tell the lights are dimmed. It's dark outside. And Tim, he makes his way downstairs and he's like why are you still up jill's like hey it's almost two o'clock and i'm just worried that willow's not home yet she said she was gonna be home around midnight tim's like hey it's not a big deal she's an adult it's fine jill's like wait what 
what are you still doing up? And Tim's like, uh, this Moroccan food, it was a little spicy, and, and the Marrakesh Express has been running all night. And Jill, she, again, she's talking about how she's worried, and she's worried about Willow because she's seen women like her in therapy who struggle without a strong parental figure. So, of course, Jill has to put on this psychiatrist helmet uh, because that at that moment, that's when Jill had gone back to school, and that's what she was studying. And I don't know if she had gotten her degree at this point yet or not. I, I know she eventually does. I'm not sure if she's a, an actual therapist at this point. But she she's sort of using the tools that she learned in college to basically diagnose Willow to a certain extent. This is where we finally, I finally get an answer in this episode. Because once we started bringing Willow into this, I'm thinking to myself, well, how old is this character? I mean, she clearly doesn't look like she's under the age of 18. Maybe she's 19, 20. Not quite sure, but... Tim points out that Willow's 26 years old and she can handle things on her own and that Jill shouldn't try to be this sort of parental figure because Willow has not really had much of a family her whole life. So she's done this. She knows how to do this. This is nothing new to her being out late and sort of just living her life the way she wants to live it. And just then after that conversation ends, Willow, she heads inside and she's like, hey, what are you guys doing up? Are you, I hope you weren't up waiting for me. And Jill's like, no, no, I'm I'm a night owl. I'm always up late. And Tim's like, I've got a whole other set of problems. And he's asking where they keep the barium. And Jill's like, you should put a cork in it. And Tim's like, oh, well, that's, that's quite the interesting idea. And so then Tim, he makes his way upstairs. And this is where we get Jill... Sort of talking with Willow again about being out late. And then the phone rings. And it's for Willow. And it's a friend of her, hers named Dirk. And he's like, hey, let's go get some breakfast. So Willow's like, I'm, I'm heading out. And Jill's like, hey, why why are you going out this late? It, I wouldn't even go out this late. And then, of course, show it heads into a commercial break. And we head back to the next scene. It's the next day. Jill explains it's about noon and Willow still hasn't come back. They haven't heard anything from her. They don't know where she is. And she's a little worked up uh, about her still being gone. And Tim's just like, hey, it's okay. She's an adult. She'll figure things out. It's not that big of a deal. And Jill, she's super worried. She's going over this timeline. She's like, okay, she left. She went to this club at this time. She got back here at 2 o'clock. She said she was going to get food with Dirk. And we haven't heard from her since. But then, right after that, the phone rings. Tim picks it up, and it is Dirk. And he wants to know if Willow is there, and we find out that Willow never showed up for breakfast with him. So now, Tim, he's getting a little more worried. And both of them sort of go into this full-on parent mode. The next scene, it sets up the boys are in there, and they're asking them what they think may have happened. And they decide they have to go find Willow's address book. Her address book should at least get the phone number for Dirk and they can figure this out. Maybe they can figure out some of the places she's been. And they realize that that address book is probably over at Wilson's and Tim is super excited. He gets to go run into a house that is filled with nerve gas. So the scene, we have Tim running back into the house. He's got a 
gas mask on. He's got these big black gloves on. And he is in this sort of hysterics when he comes back in. He's yelling, he's shouting, and they're like, are you sure there's not a leak on this gas mask? But he is he has found the address book. And we also find out that Jill had called the police and she called the hospitals. They've heard nothing back yet from Willow. So it's what, less than 24 hours at this point. I mean, I understand her concern, but again, it's not her child. It's a 26-year-old woman. I mean, she does have your car, but cell phones weren't super prevalent back then. Again, that's this is a type of episode that wouldn't really happen this way because there would just be phones and people would call and you could kind of figure things out a little bit easier in that regard. But they go through her address book and they decide they're going to split up and that the boys are going to go run around to these different places in town that are in her address book and her day planner to see if they can f- find anyone who has seen her. So Tim eventually comes back and he's like, well, I haven't, we haven't found anything. We have no new information. We don't know what to do. So Jill's like, well, the last thing we know is she went to that club. I don't know what club. So we're going to have to go find a bunch of different clubs. So it cuts to a scene Tim and Jill are outside at these clubs, and Tim's like, look, I've been to so many clubs tonight. I have so many stamps on my hand. You could ship me to Krakow or whatever he said in this moment. So they've clearly been to a bunch of these different clubs, and they finally get to this last club. And Jill's like, hey, I'm not waiting in line anymore. I'm just going to go tell the bouncer it's an emergency. I need to go look for somebody. So they go up there, and they, they tell the bouncer what's going on. He lets Jill inside, but he won't let Tim in. And we find, and it's this is seething for Tim. It's making him upset. He wants to get into this club, and he doesn't understand why he's not being picked to get into this club. So that's this little side story outside. Then you have Jill. She makes her way inside of the club. She's talking to the bartender, and she's like, "Hey, do you know this woman named Willow?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, it's so sad. What what happened to her?" And she's like, "Oh my God, what happened?" And the bartender's like, yeah, I guess her uncle went out of town and she's had to stay with this straight-laced family for the last couple days. <sighs> yeah. So that's that's the joke they're going with here. And, of course, Jill turns around just as the music starts and this guy grabs her and starts dancing with her. And Jill's like, hey, do you know Willow? And he's he makes some comment that, yeah, he does know her, but it's so sad what happened to her because now she's driving this old car. And then just at that moment, Jill bumps into Willow, and we get the peak moment of this episode. Jill's upset. She's like, why didn't you call? Why didn't you tell us what was going on? And Willow explains, it just, you know, things came up. It's just, it is what it is, and I didn't have time to call you, and that's just how things go. And Jill's like, look, you're being very inconsiderate. And she's like, are you this way with Wilson, too? And she's like, "What? Willow's offended. She's like, look, you're not my mom. You don't have to tell me how to do things. And of course, in proper sitcom fashion, Willow feels bad for what she did. And her and Jill, they make up. And this is still while Tim is outside not getting access to the club. Makes for some funny moments. And a very nerdy guy gets in over Tim. And Tim's upset. Now we are back at the Taylor household. The episode is about to close out. Wilson, he makes his way back home. He's like, thanks for letting Willow stay here. He's like, hey, how did things go? And Jill's like, oh, it's okay. We actually, we went to a club, but Tim, he's becoming obsessed with getting into this club because he wasn't 
allowed in the last time. And this is where Tim makes his way outside, and he looks like a version of Ric Flair. He's got a big, white fur jacket. He's wearing a scarf, like this gray, metallic-looking scarf. He's got these huge sunglasses on his face, and he's talking about how he's trying to get back into this club. And then Wilson closes out the episode by saying it looks like some of that nerve gas may have leaked into Tim's side of the fence. Everybody laughs, and that's where this episode ends. Now, I'm going to jump right into the rating part of this episode of this podcast because I think if I start talking about my overall thoughts you're immediately going to know what my rating is for this so we'll just get into this right away. As you know we try to determine whether or not an episode should be deemed a classic when comparing it to whatever holiday or season or whatever's going on and for this episode I'm giving it a no way Jose. This is not a knock on the episode itself because I do think it has some funny moments And it is somewhat of a classic Home Improvement episode in terms of the structure. But once we get past all that St. Patrick's Day stuff on the set of Tool Time and after Wilson gives Jill a St. Patrick's Day basket, the holiday itself has no bearing on the rest of the episode. And I know there's not a whole lot you can do in an episode of Home Improvement based around something like St. Patrick's Day. It's not something that that can really fill a moment like Halloween or Thanksgiving or Christmas. And that's ultimately the struggle for this podcast outside of those holidays. But I do think they could have done a better job of having decorations around the house. There was nothing decorated. There was no leprechauns or pots of gold or or even green anything. Nobody was wearing green outside of that opening scene of the show, of the show itself. So if you want some St. Patrick's Day feels... <laughs> Even if that's a thing, uh, I'd suggest watching the opening itself, but you're more than okay with skipping out on the rest of the episode because that's where you get any sort of hint of St. Patrick's Day or the holiday itself or anything because they're playing the music, they're talking about the food and all that. Now that wraps up this week's episode, so if you enjoy the podcast and you haven't left us a review Uh, please do that. Uh, Rate us. Review us. We're on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, that sort of stuff. You could review it there. It really helps us get out there to a bigger audience. Also, if you leave a review, let me know. I will send you a free TGI podcast sticker. And be sure to like our Facebook page. Follow us on Instagram. You can find that by searching TGI Podcast. And as always, thanks for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. The TGI Podcast is written, produced, and hosted by me, Matt Yurick. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Yurick, and be sure to rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.